Jesus is addressing the Pharisees and the hypocrites, especially their neglect of the matters of the heart and their focus on external traditions of men, traditions of elders. We saw that phrase time and time again in the first 13 verses. And so uh, I want to just kind of review the takeaways from last week and maybe expound upon them a little bit more and then just give us two concluding thoughts today. Really, the whole section is Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. We covered the first 13 verses last week, and many of you discussed that in our faith groups. I want to encourage you, if you're not coming to Sunday school, to faith groups, to come and to be a part of it. It's, it's a great time as we study last week's sermon and reflect and apply it to our lives. It's a great time of personal application. Uh, But since this is all one section, I'm going to allow you to be seated today. I am going to read verses 1 through 23 because I want us to hear the whole context. And then we will come back and focus on verses 14 through 23. Then came together unto him, beginning in verse number 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. I mentioned this in our faith group this morning, but this is a 90-mile track by foot. The Pharisees had come 90 miles by foot to confront Jesus and his disciples, not about breaking the law, the word of God, but because they were not washing their hands before they ate. 90 miles. Verse 2, and when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that's to say unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of the tables. In other words, there's all kinds of things that they had added. Verse 5, then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to, not the word of God, but the tradition of elders? But eat bread with unwashed hands. And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this is the key phrase, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And I would encourage you to circle that word heart as we go throughout the text today. Verse 7, how be it in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And then verse 8 and 9, let's say these aloud together. Ready? For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is korban, that is to say, it's a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God, making the fifth commandment, the word of God of none effect. Why? Because of your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. And then we begin in verse 14 today. And when he had called, Jesus, when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, 
Listen, hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand there is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. Remember, they also came out of this Jewish heritage, so they also were, had this kind of mindset. And they didn't understand all that Jesus was saying. Look at verse 18. And he said unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without enters into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it enters not into his heart, but into the belly, and it goes out into the drop, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defiles the man. For, and here's a little phrase, for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from where? Within. And they defile the man. Father, we thank you again for your word. It is our absolute authority for faith and practice. And Lord, we submit ourselves underneath its teaching this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would help us as we come to your word to have humble hearts, Lord, to truly search our hearts this morning. And Lord, to be hungry for your spirit and your truth to penetrate our hearts. Help us to be honest, and Lord, help us to leave here changed. I pray if there's anyone here today that they don't know you as Savior, they've put their faith and trust in good works or their heritage or being an American or whatever it is other than faith in Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, we pray that today would be the day that they come to faith in you. And then, Lord, for us who have been saved but have slipped into a mindset of pharisaical Christianity I pray, God, that you would help us this morning to be honest with our own hearts and, Lord, to repent of our own sin and turn back into fellowship with you. We pray all this in Christ's precious name. Amen. Those of you that have been part of of leading a business or managing staff, especially in the medical arena, and there are many here who have part of that, you may be familiar with what is uh, what is referred to as an RCA is a, a root cause analysis. An RCA is, is a process that helps a company or an organization get to the root cause of a situation, get to the heart of a matter, uh, so that they can come up with an effective solution to that problem. As we look at the surface, it's easy, isn't it? As we just look at, a, at the surface, it's easy for us to misinterpret or misdiagnose a problem and, and devise then shallow or very surface solutions that don't address the real problem. For example, let's assume this morning that in the hospital that a patient was given wrong medication. I know that never happens, but let's just make an assumption this morning that it happens. On the surface, we would immediately go to the nurse and we would assign probably most of us the responsibility of this to the nurse. But if they were to get everybody in a room and they were to sit down and they were to really diagnose and and analyze this situation, they would look at the nurse and 
they would realize that the nurse did exactly what she was supposed to do. As she scanned the patient's bracelet, it came up that this was the medication that she was to give him. So then they look at IT. Is it, is it a problem with the scanner? Was there a problem with the scanner? What happened? Maybe this is where the problem was. But as they begin to look at the scanner, they realize that the problem was not there. So they go a step further. They go all the way back to registration, and they find that the problem was not with the nurse. The problem was not with IT. The problem was with registration because when they put this person's name in, this man's name in, they failed to put junior at the end of it and so they were giving him his father's medication now if they would have just addressed this on the surface they would have missed the real diagnosis they would have missed where the breakdown was they would have missed where the problem was without going beneath the surface to find the root problem it was the nurse who would have been written up and been in trouble and as we look closely at mark chapter 7 that is exactly what you see the pharisees are looking on the surface and look they have wrongly assigned the defilement that comes into a man's life They've looked at the surface. They said, this is what it is. If you will just change your environment, if you will just change your associations, if you will just change all of these things, if you'll change your diet. You know, we still sometimes I hear people say, we just need to go back to Daniel's diet. And I say, I start reading through it. No, thank you. I don't want Daniel's diet. I'm thankful for the freedom that we have to eat meat. Amen. He he, he assigns here the real defilement. Now, probably those that don't eat meat are going to live longer and be healthier than us, but we're thankful that the Lord has given us the freedom to to eat meat. And he says, this is not where real defilement comes from. And briefly, as we saw last week, Jesus lays out for us the dangers of Phariseeism that lead to vain or empty religion. And we come in here every Sunday and Sometimes on Wednesday, we gather in this room and we worship the Lord. How would you feel if God says, all of your worship is vain? It is empty. It is useless to me. That is exactly what he told the Pharisees here. And this is the reason why the attitude of the Pharisees placed emphasis on external conduct over internal cleanness. They saw things in others that they refused to see in themselves. They were constantly focused on everything external, and they were not focused on the cleanliness or the the condition of one's heart. They automatically, when they saw somebody, they judged them not by what they knew about them, but what they saw them wear or what they saw maybe that they were of a different social status or what they visibly saw from outside. This was their attitude. Secondly, he reprimanded them because their loyalty was to traditional practices over biblical principles. And as we talked about, perhaps without even intent, their man-made traditions, their extra-biblical preferences had become more important to them than the clear teaching of God's Word. And we said that we, we should have standards. We should have things in our life that we assign based upon biblical, uh, biblical principles. But those add-ons, those preferences, those things that we decide to do should never take precedence over the Word of God. And so he says, your loyalty is to traditional practices over biblical principles. The third thing he says is that their traditions were motivated by selfishness and greed. 
And we saw this in the illustration that Jesus gave them in verses 10 through 13, that religious activity was a good way for them to disguise and hide their selfishness and their greed. And we're not going to go back into that whole process again, but they basically had found a way around taking care of their parents, honoring their parents in old age, assigning that money to God, that after they died, that money would go to God. As long as they lived, it was designated for that purpose and they could use it as they needed it. But whatever was left in this designated account would be given to God. And they used that as a way around honoring their parents, the fifth commandment. It really was not about God at all. It was about themselves. And then the fourth thing that we saw was that the result of their hypocrisy was a harsh rebuke from Jesus. And we looked at Luke. Remember the woes? Woe unto you Pharisees. And he just laid it out to them, rebuked them for their Phariseeism. Then we also stated that Pharisees are always more concerned with the operations of ministry than the objectives of ministry. They're more concerned with the methods of gospel ministry than the message of gospel ministry. And they want to make sure that you do everything like they have always done it. You run VBS like we've always done it. You keep all the decorations like we've always had them. And that is the focus so much so that they could care less whether the gospel's getting out as long as the methods don't change. As long as the operations don't change. And then we also mentioned that Pharisees are more concerned with their outward appearance before men than the approval of their heart before God. And again, that they were more passionate about religious tradition than biblical truth. And again, the essence of of elevating the traditions of the elders, it came from a heart of pride and prejudice. Don't, Don't be deceived thinking, well, they just had pure hearts, they were just misguided. No, it came from a heart of pride and prejudice. And since the tradition of hand washing is so far removed from you and I in our day and age, let us bring it down to where we live in American culture right now, the last several hundred years. For example, imagine people in our country who go to church every single Sunday, Dr. Clark, they read their Bibles every single day at home. They do a lot of good things for people, all while seeing people with black skin as less than themselves. For years, religious people took part in the sinful action of slavery and prejudice attitude while masking themselves with religion, many taking part in buying and selling them, and then the years of segregation, and then the years of us excusing it away as just no no big deal. All of this while still going to church, reading our Bible, and doing all kinds of good things for people. Take another example. God has given us the clear command of Scripture to take the gospel to every nation, to every people group. In fact, this was so important that before he left earth and went back to heaven, this is the very last thing that he tells his disciples that he wants them to go and to take the gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and where else? To the uttermost parts of the world. This was important to Jesus Christ. This was his last commission. And God has given individuals and churches billions and billions of dollars to do that, to carry out his commission. 
And yet nationally, not in this church, but nationally, we spend less than 1% of our collective resources as Christians in getting the gospel to unreached nations. Less than 1%. We do all this while clothed and religious activities in our comfortable places here in America. You say, why are you doing this? Because we are them. Because we can be guilty without intent. We can be clothed in religion. We can do all the checklists. But what Jesus says is that there is a great danger of empty religion when thoughts and traditions focus on making life great in our nation when that trumps Jesus' command to make his name great in all nations. Then we are not any better than they are. The summary of verses 1 through 13 is this, that they performed religious actions for themselves apart from spiritual affection for God. And I want to repeat that, and I want you to really think about it again and get this in your heart. What was the the main problem? They performed religious actions for themselves apart from spiritual affection for God. Listen, if the things that bring us together in our gatherings are the traditions of men that he speaks about in verses 1 through 13, the traditions of the elders, the commandments of the status quo American Christian church, then let me ask you this morning, who are we really worshiping when we gather? Are we really worshiping God or are we worshiping ourselves? No wonder Jesus called it vain religion. Because listen, if we come in every Sunday in our Sunday best and we sing exclusively the songs that we prefer and we give our 10%, maybe a little bit more, or we drop something in the offering plate and we socialize with those that are in our social status, in our age group, and we pray a nice prayer of gratitude, thanking God for the wonderful physical blessings that he has given us in America and for the privilege of being born here. And then we listen to a sermon that has been twisted to encourage comfortable Christianity. I am sorry, church, but if that is what we are doing, we are not worshiping the God of the Bible. We are worshiping ourselves. And we have to take an honest look inside our own hearts. Because if we're not focused on what Jesus left us here to be focused on, if we're not focused on getting the gospel to the ends of the world, if we're not focused on witnessing to people in our community every day as we go out, if we're not uh, committed to seeing them publicly come and profess their faith in Jesus Christ by baptism and teaching them the word of God, how to study and know the word of God through discipleship, and then holding them accountable to go out and do the same thing in the lives of others, we can be religious. We can come to church. We can read our Bibles. We can pray. But we are not worshiping the God of the Bible. We're worshiping our own Christianity that we've made. Which, by the way, we made it for ourselves. We must not leave the commandment of God while holding to the traditions of men. If our motive for giving and serving is simply, listen, to leave a legacy, to leave a name for us, we we can clothe it however we want, but that is not worship of God. It is worship of self, 
And those are the evil thoughts of the heart that Jesus speaks of in this passage. In contrast to religious actions, all right? In contrast to just having these religious actions, let's talk about spiritual affections. Because these spiritual affections, these things of the heart, they are what leads to brokenness over sin. Not a judgment of sin in your life. No, a brokenness of sin in my own life, Clint. It brings me to a place where I am convicted and broken over sin in my own life. It brings me to a place of humility and service. It brings me to a place of generous heart, not looking for what I can get, but what I can give. It brings about the spiritual reverence and fear before God and his greatness. It leads us to spiritual hope in the promises of God. And it does not begrudge God for the less than heavenly things and eternal things that we might experience on this earth in this life spiritual affection looks for ways to bring fame to the name of Jesus rather than fame to ourselves and it celebrates eternal salvation not temporary success in our own lives this is the spiritual affection for God this is what being in the word of God and walking with God and listening to the spirit of God and being in tune with God these are the results of it listen carefully to what Isaiah said in Isaiah 66 and verse 2 for all those things hath mine hand made and all those things have been saith the Lord but to this man will I look how many of you would say I'd like for God to look at me to notice me to see me it's not we, we want God to see us, don't we? We don't want to be ignored by God. He says, to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and notice this, and trembles at my word. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks where? On the heart. Then notice in verse 14 that Jesus calls all the people unto him. He wants them to hear this. In essence, he's saying, you need to listen to this. Everyone listen to this. This is very, very important. Get this. Verse 15. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. And this is where Jesus begins to redefine the source of defilement. It is not for me touching some unclean person. It is not for me eating some unclean thing. The real defilement in my heart, in my life, comes from inside me. It comes from my heart. Verse 21 through 23 is the climax of the argument. Looking, uh, look at it one more time. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. The Pharisees would have argued that you needed to focus on not being defiled from the external things. Stay away from all those external things that can defile you and all those people. And Jesus claims that they have misdiagnosed the root cause of their problem. The root problem is not from without. The root problem is from within. And we can't fix the root problem until we identify where the root problem is. A root problem analysis allows us to get to the real issue. 
So Jesus makes a revolutionary claim here. Look at it. Spiritual transformation happens not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Would you say that with me? Spiritual transformation happens not from the outside in, but from the inside out. The Lord went to the heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart. These things that come from the heart are the real sources of uncleanness, the uncleanness that destroys these things that are in our heart. Not all the externals. These things that are in our heart is what wrecks homes and ruins lives and starts war and spreads disease. The root cause is not our environment. Let me say this. The root cause is not even entertainment. We like to blame entertainment. We like to blame our environment. But according to this text and according to the word of God, the root cause, my friend, is our hearts. As Jeremiah said, and we said last week, the heart is deceitful above all things. And it is desperately what? Wicked. It's wicked. And that's where we need to go to do surgery. The, the root cause is this, the exceeding sinfulness of our heart. Now, Satan would love for us to lose sight of what is the real issue and what is the real problem. He would love to get us distracted. He would love, listen, Satan does not mind a bit that you and I come to church every single Sunday, clothed in our Sunday best, sing songs of praise to the Lord, give our offering, go through all of these things as long as we ignore the main issue, our own hearts. What he does is he gets us focused on everybody else, everybody else's problem. If they would just do this, if they would just... If they would just be different, if they would just dress different, if they would just look different, if they would just eat different, they wouldn't be the way that they are. How easy it is for us to look at the log in someone else's eye while ignoring the splinter that is in our own eye. I'm sorry, I reversed that. How easy it is for us to recognize the splinter that is in your eye while ignoring the log that is in my own eye. So notice these two little phrases, verse 21, from within, out of the heart. Verse 23, all these evil things come from within. Listen, in every period of history, true holiness has always been a matter of the heart, a right relationship with God by faith. They ultimately thought that they could make themselves clean. And by the way, there's a lot of people that still think that today. You can make yourself clean. You can get good enough. The whole point of Mark 7, verses 1 through 23, is that man's attempts to earn relationship and fellowship with God, with a holy God, by external goodness, it will fail every single time. You can't earn relationship or fellowship with God by external things. So in closing, and I'm sorry, I failed the shortest sermon test but we made it to the, the closing, which is the whole sermon. Two quick thoughts and we're done from verses 14 and following. What we don't need is more attempts to clean our hands. What we don't need is more attempts to clean our hands. Verse 18, paraphrase, do you not perceive or do you not see that exterior things do not defile a man? Our greatest cleansing need is not a hand washing, it's not even a foot washing. It's a heart transplant. 
It's a heart change. Our greatest need is not more rules and standards, although we ought to have them for ourselves. That's not our greatest need. The Pharisees ultimately thought that they could make themselves clean by restricting their associations with people and things in their society. They created a whole way of thinking and they created a a pattern of living that they thought would make them okay before a holy God. There's no way that I would do these things, go to church my whole life, and God would at the end of it reject me. The entire New Testament, on the other hand, points us to focus more on our relationship through Jesus Christ, not rules. Jesus is the groom. We are the what? Bride relationship. Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep relationship. Jesus is the master. We are the servants relationship. It's not healthy to think of our relationship with Jesus primarily in in terms of rule keeping. It's not healthy. You look at Jesus' life all through the gospel and his harshest words came to these people who wanted it all to be about rules. Rules without relationship breeds rebellion every single time. Now, relationship with God will bring about some rules that we place in our lives. But it starts with relationship, not rules. Not outside in, but inside out. What we don't need is more attempts to clean our hands. And then secondly, lastly, and we're done, what we desperately need is Jesus to change our hearts. No matter how many times we clean ourselves up on the outside, we can't make ourselves clean on the inside. Can't do it. You can't get in there to clean it. But the good news is this, and don't miss the good news this morning. This is the reason Jesus came. Jesus came to clean what we could not clean. And that is our hearts. Our wicked and deceitful hearts. Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning in verse number 25. This is God speaking and he says this. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. For all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And a new heart also will I give you. Did you hear that? A new heart also will I give you. How many of you are thankful for that? Because what we cannot clean, he can clean. A new heart will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Notice it. Circle it. I will. I will. I will. It is God and God alone who can do this. It is a surrender to God. God, I can't clean up myself. No matter how hard I try, I can't do it. So I come and I put my faith completely in you. You paid the price for my sin. You rose victorious over the grave. And here I am, a sinner who can't clean my heart, but I put my faith and trust in you. Take my heart and clean it. Look, apart from God, as I said a while ago, Apart from God, we are these people who Jesus said, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. Because we all fall into this trap in our humanness of of 
trying to earn God's favor, and even of saying, God, I know this is what you said, but, but I know better. Isn't that what Eve said in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden? I know you said no to that tree, but I, I think that tree looks better. And it seems like you're trying to withhold from me, God, what really is good. You know, in our human nature, in our sinful nature, we think that we can earn God's favor. We think that we even have a way that we can help God out. Hey, God, maybe you didn't see it from this angle. No, God sees it from every angle. And when our ways contradict God's ways, guess who's wrong? We are. We are. We can't change our hearts. Only Jesus can change our hearts. And when he does, listen, when he does, the world will know it. When God changes your heart, it changes everything. That's what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are become new. It doesn't mean that you won't battle with your flesh. It doesn't mean that you won't sin. You will. I will. I do. You do. Which just reminds us that we need God. We need God's spirit. We need his, his presence. And the whole point is that we can't fix this problem on our own. That we can't do enough good. That we must have a heart transplant through salvation, through faith in Jesus Christ and repentance, a change of heart. And only through the power of the Holy Spirit can we be sanctified, Tim. Only through his power can we be sanctified through hearts and minds that are controlled by God. And Christians, as we talked about in our faith group this morning, let us fight the temptation to be exterior focused, driven followers of Jesus Christ, and let us live out the Christian life from the inside out. Let us be people of the book. Let us be people who examine our hearts from the book rather than comparing ourselves with everybody else around us. Let let us have that desire, that sincere desire for the milk of the word, for the word of God. And let us live out the Christian life from the inside out, not in lives of empty religion with all of its dangers, but in pure religion with all of its blessings. And this passage is a sobering reminder to all of us that we can do a lot of good things. We can go to church every time the doors are open. We can have all the Sunday school pins from the past, all collected at home. We can do all of these things, read our Bibles, and miss the whole point. You know how we know that? Because that's what these people did. They did it all. They dressed right. They looked right. They went to church. They read the Bible. They studied the law. They added to the law all these other things that they wanted to do. They went above and beyond. They were above board. They were what we would look at and say, wow, they're, they're kind of radical. And yet Jesus says of them in Matthew chapter 7, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Did, did we not in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many Wonderful works. And then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Why? Because your faith was in works. 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are we saved through faith, that not in ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works. Why? Because we would boast about it. That's who we are. It's not about our works. You will never do enough good works. Jesus declared, no man comes unto the Father but by me. There's only one way. Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Only as we set everything else aside and say, God, I am trusting in Jesus. God who came from heaven to earth as a babe from a virgin and he lived a sinless life and he died a sacrificial death on the cross for me and he rose victorious over the grave. That and that alone is what I'm putting my faith in for my eternal salvation. Listen, if you've never done that, Jesus says you can do it today. Today is the day of salvation because I would hate for you to come to the end of your life and start to enter eternity and think that you're getting into heaven with God for eternity because you did good things and you went to church and you looked the part. But that you can say when you get to that moment in eternity, nothing good good in me have I to present But I stand here because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ.